Jim, I got some more acronyms for okay, you. Okay, give it Q- to me, man. Uh, and some numbers, too. Can you uh, handle it? No, I can't. <laughs> QMSAS9100ISO9001. Do you know what that means? I do know what that means, as a matter of fact. It's two processes, QMS process, quality management system processes, AS9100 and ISO9001. And how does that work with your new ERP system? Well, what it is, Jason, we were talking earlier about the paperless system. All of the documentation that we use in AS9100 and ISO9001 is totally integrated. So no more binders? No more binders, no more signing papers. Everything's integrated into ProShop ERP, and it makes our life so much more easier and so much more efficient. So go to ProShopERP.com for more information. Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm your host, Jason Zenger, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jim Carr. Why are you looking at my lapel? No, I'm looking at your jacket because you're always like all dressed up. I'm in a I t-shirt know, and you're in a jacket. That's the Jim Carr brand, right? Yeah, I yeah, guess so. Absolutely. So yeah, I feel great. We're here in sunny Oxnard, California. We're at the Haas facility. This yeah, place it's good. is rocking and rolling. Yeah, so, I got a question for you. Yeah, go ahead. So you're gonna ask me how to make Haas avocado no, guacamole. I'm not. Right? I'm not. But close. Have you ever had like a project around your house and you didn't want to hire like an electrician or a plumber or somebody like that? Like you actually went and did it yourself, but you didn't actually know what to do. Of course. I can do you it. You ever search on YouTube and look for like how to do that? I have. My wife has too, actually. Okay. Like learning how to stain wood or okay. whatever. Or like replacing your garbage disposal. Okay. So like, I had, I actually had, we had a gas leak in our laundry room. My, my wife God, and I did. Really? Just, yeah, it was, Seriously. it was actually kind of bad. And my wife was like, well, why don't you fix it? I turned off the gas. I knew how to do that. Yeah. But I needed to replace a valve. Yeah. And trusty videos yeah. online, I was actually able to replace a gas valve, if you could believe that. I, I know you're like stunned. You're like, well, there's no way that you did that. A, I can't believe you did it. B, well, I know you're kind of cheap anyway. You don't want to pay anybody. I to don't do want to That's the main, I mean, like, that's 100% the reason. Yeah. I mean, like, you I didn't did, want to. You just didn't want to pay 200 bucks to have a technician come out. Well, first of all, you got to wait. Right. They got to come in. They're probably going to come into your house. They're going to diagnose the problem. He's going to wear his gym shoes in my house. Oh, that's they don't it. like that's, They that's, don't like the. Well, you know. Now we, I know. Now yeah, I know. Well, well you There's, know, we we operate in Asian household, and the culture in Asia is that you take off your shoes before you're in the house. But when you hire a professional, they don't want to do that. So, so that, was, you know? that was probably the third reason why you didn't do it, <laughs> is because you knew that technician was not going to take off his. Dirty boots, right? <laughs> I'm a little bit but of a germaphobe. No, this is great. I'm, I'm proud of you, so Jason I th- So I was able to replace the gas valve, but the point is, is that doing things yourself has become just more prolific just because of being able to search Don't videos online. Words again. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay. Oh. Even for manufacturing, people search online. And, you know, the first place everybody searches is Google, but unfortunately, Google also owns YouTube, under the they banner do. of they the do. Alphabet company, yeah. which I just you so it, it's like a it's like a par- it's like a parent company. So you've got Alphabet, and you've got Google, and then you've right. got YouTube. Okay, and they own that company owns both of them, and right. that's like the top two widely searched platforms. But the metalworking nation manufacturing leaders they also search online at videos in order to figure out how to do things. And we're here at Haas, and we're going to talk about we yeah, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about well, they've got a pretty prolific 
yep. video channel. Is that right? Yeah, you're going to start using that word all the time, right? I know. Yeah. Well, I always copy off you anyway. Yeah, that's right? true. You, I've you taught teach you me well. all those high level I've taught words, you well. And I teach you all about manufacturing. Yeah, exactly. What do you know? Yeah, exactly. I'm going to have you out programming a CNC one day. We've got you plans. Would you like to do that? No, I told you, I don't want to talk about it yet on the show, but I do have my grand plan that I would like to do. And it's not to own a manufacturing company, but I may need to learn. You might get dirty. I'm planning on it, yeah. Like making chips says, Two guys get dirty on the factory yep. floor. Yep. You better do it. If you say it, you got to do it. Yep. So in this episode of Making Chips, we're going to discuss how manufacturing leaders have elevated their knowledge through how-to and product knowledge videos, and we have a celebrity with us today to have that discussion. Somebody more celebrity than way, me. Way bigger. Really? Way bigger. No yeah, kidding. Way bigger. Yeah. Okay, good. So I don't want to be big. I don't okay. want to be a celebrity. That's, you your, don't. that's your thing. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm actually not interested in what's going on in your business, but one of the things that I want to talk about is we've gotten some decent reviews on yeah, iTunes. and so, I saw so that. I, I, awesome. I threw a bunch of them together here, and I just want to like read them off to well, the metalworking you know, nation. So I have an iPhone, so I can't I can't right. read any so of these. So I, but I put these on That's in great. the show notes. So, yeah. so I just want to read through some of these. Yeah, and go right ahead. For two reasons, I think that positive reviews are like the currency of podcasts. So right. like to the manufacturing leaders out there, if you give us a great rating and review, it helps us and makes Jim feel good. It does. And every day I have to text Jim and I said, Jim, you're a good boy. Like you're doing a great job. And cause you like that positive affirmation. So I if do. the metalworking nation out there wants to do that same thing for Jim, just leave a I iTunes love review. Positive I, and, reviews. And, and, and to be honest with you, I kind of like it too. Yeah. So everybody likes to hear that they're doing well. Yeah. Right. So the second reason I also want to give credit to those people that have taken the time to give us that positive Bam, review. Let's so, do it. so nice shout out. So the first one here is from MR in Sewanee, Georgia, I believe that it means. And it says, you guys are my favorite podcast currently. Well, I don't know if that's going to change for him, but always looking forward for this interesting episode. Keep up the good work. So thank you, MR, and I hope that we remain your favorite podcast, yeah. but apparently there's always the chance that so, we might not. Well, we got to keep the content good, right? Yep. And keep go. the, elevate the, the industry. The next one is from EF Din Shocks. Perfect for manufacturing of any size. I've listened to Making Chips for a couple of years now and thought it was finally time to review. Having purchased our companies from our in-laws, this podcast hits close to home for me. We have 25 employees and manufacture our own products as well as having a job shop. So much of what these guys talk about directly pertains to what we go through on a daily basis. The marketing talks are my favorites. Oh, that's interesting to know. That's it good is. feedback. And I haven't heard anyone else talking to the small manufacturers like us. Awesome. Keep up the good work. Awesome. Next one is from Partmaker77. Do you I'm think he was born in 1977? Yeah. Uh, must listen for manufacturers. Jason and Jim always do a tremendous job of keeping the metalworking nation informed of new ideas and innovative technologies. They convey the pulse of the industry through their informative guests. Thanks, guys, and keep up the great work. And just to be, just to be clear with everybody, we did not pay any of these people to make these reviews, and we don't even know who they are. I don't I, think that we've ever met them before. I've never so, met them at all. So, the next on. one is Thinking With My Hairbrain. Nice work. More technical, please. We've heard that before. Yeah, so this guy actually gave a four star. All these rest of these are five stars. This, this, yeah. He, he well, deducted a point, but you know, so that's what, okay. Finally four. Well, just keep reading. Okay. I've listened to six or seven episodes now. I do really like the format, topics, personalities. Thank you for that. I would be happy if the content were more technical. That's why he deducted That's why we only got four. Yeah. They usually discuss topics from the perspectives of the owner, which reflects their experience. 
I'm an engineer at a large manufacturing company. I was hoping to hear discussion around technical problems to get more depth and breadth of the kind of skills I use at work. I want to hear about issues other manufacturers deal with and what technology they have, systems, automation, data collection, analytics, and more. Okay, so you got that making chips team. We need to have more technical stuff, so we need to keep that up there. This is from Manufacturing Ops Worth Your Time. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, that's in his name. No, I guess. Worth Your Time, he's saying. Oh, okay, it's worth yeah. your time and effort. I stumbled across these guys a few months ago, and now I listen to them every week. Smart guys, good guests, timely subject matter. If you are in manufacturing, you could probably learn something here. Wow. So, good. That's it. Appreciate those, everyone. Yeah. And yeah, yeah love to review more. I can tell you're feeling good. You're yeah. smiling a little good. bit bigger now. Yeah. So, so what kind of manufacturing news we got for this week? It's very relevant. This tell is me. from the LA Times. So what it talks about is that Los Angeles is the largest manufacturing center in the U.S., according to the government. I think I knew that. So one of the issues with this article is that even from the picture, the picture basically shows a textile, looks like a sweatshop, to be honest with you. And when they talk about manufacturing, they're not just talking about like making chips and anything they're, that's in the that metal, hard, the hard, the metal, not the metal working. Yeah. So the they're talking about cutting. all manufacturing, which could be a bakery. And it could be a sweatshop like they like they show here. But anyway, I think it's still a good representation. A good representation. So yep. it says, as of July, the LA region had 510,900 manufacturing workers, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Producers in Chicago in the surrounding cities employ 408,100 workers. So we're here in LA. We're from Chicago, number one and number two, apparently. I think that sometimes these numbers can be skewed, so I also want to throw that out here. But yeah, why, it, it is kind why, of interesting. Why are so. they putting the metal cutting industry in with bakers and textile workers? Well, because so, I don't get that. Well, it's because the government's got to slice it up somehow, and yeah. that's just the easiest way for them to do it. So. Anyway, yeah, it's great to be here. I kind of knew that, though. There is a huge manufacturing presence here in Southern California, and it's great to be here. It's great to be here at Haas today, which is the number one CNC machine tool manufacturer in our country right now. I producing, and I don't know the statistics, maybe we can get that answer today, but at least 50% of the CNC machine tools that are made in this country are made It's a huge here. facility. Yeah. yeah. So, Jim, I'd like to introduce our guests. We have on the show two guests, actually. Do. Our first guest is Mark Terryberry, who is an application engineer for Haas Automation. And for the metalworking nation out there, you might know him as one of the celebrities of the Haas YouTube channel, which Jim has 151,000 subscribers, and they average like 10,000 views per video, and they even get like 100,000 views on some video. I know that you would love if you got as much FaceTime in front of an audience yeah, well, as Mark course. does, because yeah, you know, I, I, you just, I, I, you want to be a celebrity, don't you? Well, I am. So we but, brought, yeah. we brought a celebrity to you. You're, oh, you thank know, you. So thank I'm not you. calling thank you a celebrity. I appreciate <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and our second guest that's sitting here in our new studio here at Haas Animation is Brian O'Fallon. Brian is the video production manager here. He's also the answer man here at Haas Automation. Welcome to the show, guys. Great to have Appreciate you. Appreciate it. Yeah. So I, I have a question for you, Mark. You've become kind of a celebrity in the metalworking industry. You know, we're kind of a tight niche industry, and it's not like we're making like big movies that millions of people are watching, but you've got a, a bit of a celebrity. So sure, what's the small the world. In, the, in a small world, yeah, you're, you're a big fish in a, in a little pond. So what's the story behind that? Like, I know you probably didn't think as an application engineer that you were going to have so many people watching your video. So what's the story behind that? It's funny in that I'm really a small part of that story in that I got 
called in to help with, because uh, Haas has been making videos forever, right? They just have. Back in 2013, they made a lathe soft job video that now has a million and a half views. So they've been making videos for a very long time. And they had me help with a coolant video. And I think it's the only video where I don't have a beard. And they just had me shoot it. And then the next week, they had me shoot something else. And then Bob Murray, the general manager here at Haas, he got us all together and sat us down and said, we're going to do a series. We're going to call it Tip of the Day. And yeah, we're going to start with you and let's do it. It was just like that. Do you think that it would because manufacturing is slow to get on the technological thing that it just, we got lucky because we started in this, we started this media frenzy at the beginning. We were, we were at the, the crust of it, right? Sure. Don't you think that's part of it as well? Huge part, right? We were early adopters. Early adopters, that's and exactly. And so we're, we're riding that swell and of course, it's Haas Automation. So Haas Automation, just with the number of machines that they sell day in and day out, has a built-in audience. It, we have an advantage that no one else has. And we have a lot of new operators that are hungry for information. And so you put those two things together and they're just, they're just eating it up. Everything we publish, you're getting a comment on saying thank you for listening to us and for feeding us this information that we need. We need it to do our jobs. So you didn't have to audition for this role or anything like that? Not you that to, I knew you don't have like a just shot yeah. you stepped yeah. in. I mean, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they had me do something and they were already having a series on that. So that might have been their well, interview let's, process. Let's face it, when you get in front of the camera, right. things change, right? You can, you can be the greatest speaker in the world and comfortable and as soon as that light turns on, people freeze up. Right, and yes you do. And we've tried it. We've tried a bunch of people that we thought, oh, they're going to be great on camera. Mark has a knack for it. Mark knows, knows the technical part of it, but he also has a knack for being on camera. Sure, That's sure. That's great. So Mark, everyone has a, a story, right? Everyone's got a story. So tell us your early manufacturing story. How, how did you get into the industry? Because, you know, first of all, not everybody knows manufacturing. We always say when we're in a group of people and we start talking about manufacturing, the people that are so disengaged with this industry, their eyes start to glaze over. They have no idea what you're talking about. It's boring. About. It's boring, right? That's why we branded the Boring Bar, which is our, our weekly newsletter. But tell us about you. Tell us how you got into this because everyone's got a unique story about how they started in the industry. Oh yeah, for sure. We gave a presentation at H Tech School, right? So Haas Technical Center. And so they're, they're training. And whenever I've given one of those presentations, I'll show slide after slide after slide of all the parts that I've machined as a machinist, right? And I started out my presentation that way saying, the reason I'm showing you to this is because no one else cares. When you find yourself in a room like this yeah. with people who actually know manufacturing and machining, right. it's just exciting because no one's ever asked me that question right before my entire life. How do you start in machining? That's not a common question. So it's exciting to be in this room right now with you guys because yeah, so, you guys get yeah. it. So you were a machinist for how many years so, before you came to Haas? Or? I was going to school and I was okay. going to school for engineering. And okay. it was one of my first engineering classes. And the guy said, what are you doing now? And I said, I'm running a service department at a payphone company, right? Installing, this is dating me a little bit. And he says, if you want to become an engineer, go someplace where they make something, where they've got other engineers, where they've got something cool going on. Yeah. So I quit my job that day. I was making 15 bucks an hour. I was rich, right? Back yeah. early 90s. Sure. And I took a job at a machine shop just because they had engineers there. They had some machinists. And I just, it was the coolest thing ever. These machines were just amazing. These giant robots, and you tell them what to do. And uh, after the second night, they printed out the code for me. I was machining out an aluminum skateboard deck for some company. And I did that, right? By the end of the first week, I was engraving my name 
One thing led to another and I became a CNC programmer, operations manager, and did that at that shop for six or seven years. And I just loved it. I never left. I'm like, this is the neatest, coolest job in the world. And awesome. so that's how I started. It was just this, this, this fluke that brought me to something I just, um, just can't get away from because it's just so interesting. And Brian, what's your manufacturing story? My dad, was a, he's retired now, but mechanical engineer. So I grew up with a drafting table in the house. I know what I know what those wow. are. Yeah, I sure do. Believe it or not, so I would I would play on that, and he showed me how to how to do some basic drafting, and I just gravitated toward it. Yeah. I mean, it was what I knew. My dad would take. He worked at a big aerospace company, so he took me. There was always a what a, like a father son day, so he took me in there, and it was rows and rows and rows of these drafting tables, and I thought, well, God, I don't want to do that. That looks horrible. By the time I got to school, we graduated to CAD. And so I was really drawn to that. Found myself a job at a company that was in the racing industry. Mm. So I was doing design, but I also had an R&D machine shop right next door. And I would design things, and I'll never forget it. It was this older Romanian guy. He would come through the door, and I'm, I'm not going to try to do the accent. <laughs> say, Brian, how am I supposed to make this? Come here. So he would take me out in the shop, and he I, what you just drew, I can't make, and let me show you why. So that's how I became familiar with Oh, so that's when your DFM started. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. So let's go back to the YouTube channel, the videos that you guys make. Tell us about the strategy behind that. Like, did you guys know it was going to be so big? Did you you know that it was going to be such a big part of the marketing that Haas does? Tell us a little bit about the strategy behind the scenes. As Mark alluded to earlier, before we were involved with the video team, there were a couple. One of them was how how to cut soft jaws. And it now has over a million views, but even at that time it had five, six hundred thousand views, which for this industry is just That's huge. unbelievable. Yeah. We had a couple more like that, and Bob Murray, our general manager, who, who Mark referenced earlier, said, you know what? There is no place for somebody in this industry to go to get information. Yeah, we've got manuals and there's a few things hit and miss online, but we want to be the company that gives our customers everything they need, whether it's programming, service, how to repair your machine. So he would, Bob was really the vision behind doing did, all this. Did you think at the time that, well, there's a new generation coming up that doesn't want to read a manual, they want to watch a video? Did that thought? Who wants that, all those binders yeah, that anyway? Was, that was at the forefront. Yeah, it was absolutely. In that first meeting, we were talking about this, yep. right? We sat down, and, and Bob's sitting down there. It would be great to have Bob's side of the story. But as we remember it, he was talking about his son playing video games and he would say, look, my son doesn't read a manual on how to play the video game. He watches a YouTube video that says, go in the desert, you'll find a refrigerator. Yeah. Yeah. He opens up a refrigerator, you go inside, you find all the goodies. And so that's what his son does. He saw his son watching hour after hour of YouTube videos. And you were talking about his truck. He was looking for something. He had had a flat tire. He, I don't remember what his truck was. He pulls over the side of the road and he, where's the spare tire? So he pulls up the manual. He pulls his phone up and Googles it. Where's the spare tire in my Ford, whatever? What, F-150 or something? There's a video. YouTube comes up. That's actually very similar to our story in that when we came up with making chips, there was this void. Like manufacturing leaders, the CEOs didn't have a po- I listen to podcasts all the time. So I would listen to when I would exercise, when I'd be driving. And, and I just knew that the manufacturing industry didn't have a podcast out there to listen to. So I was like, we got to do it. And like we a, a resource that they could go just to. Just information. When they're struggling because it's we a, modeled yeah. it after a smaller shop 
that leader of that company wears so many hats all day yep. long. One day he's doing sales and marketing. The next day he might be on the shop floor. The next day he might be ordering tooling. The next day he's doing something. So we wanted to come up with a resource for that target individual. Yeah, it's kind of funny. So I talked to the CEO of a manufacturing company and he actually credits. He, it's funny the way he says it. He was like, you and Jim helped me to lose 30 pounds. Yes. <laughs> And I was like, what? <laughs> and yeah, he was like, yeah, I listen to you guys like every time I go to the gym and get really into it. And, you know, it's, it's obviously you, you, this video series has been wildly successful and you push them out to the Internet regularly. Is that a weekly basis, daily? How often do they go out? So videos in general, we average four to five a week. OK, somewhere in that range. And how, they're not all how long the are day. they? So it depends. If it's a product video, if we want to promote a new product, like, like this APL that we're sitting in front of, for example, okay. we try to keep them in around the two-minute range. If it's a service topic, it's however long it needs to be. I mean, if you've got to fix something on your machine, it might take six minutes, it might take 12 minutes. We know from looking at analytics that people don't like to watch things for very long, right? You look at the Absolutely numbers not. and they What's start the sweet spot? off. Four minutes, I'd say, but it depends on the topic. Mark kind of goes against that in that his tend to be longer, but he retains his audience. So obviously you've learned over the years of doing these that there, there are some challenges. Would you like to share with us what some of those roadblocks you've overcome over the years that you learned from your mistakes? Any, anything that you learned immediately, what was right and what was wrong to do? Or isn't there, isn't there a right and wrong? There is. What I struggle with is how much production value do we put into them, right? Mm. It's interesting. There's a lot of different views on that. There's a lot, There's of, a different lot of different views. views on that. We don't want to make them too polished, right? They don't need to be too produced. But at the same time, I think it's subconscious. People are watching them, and if they look good, and they sound good, and they're lit good, they're going to watch more. They don't know why. It just looks good. But like I said, at the same time, we don't want to be too polished, because we know who we are. We're in a machine shop. We're just a bunch of regular guys. I mean, Mark's a machinist. Us other guys on camera are engineers or service guys, so we want it to look real. You know, yeah, you want to have you know your audience. Yeah, you, you want to have the the just audience. normal talk. I mean, I've seen those YouTube videos out there where they literally cut it like every 10 seconds, and it's just, yeah, it's annoying. What, what other challenges? Another thing for me is, you know, what's that saying? If, if they build it, if it you build come. it, they it will come. come. Sure. Yeah. Well, if you make it, they won't necessarily watch it, right? right? <laughs> We've got this YouTube channel. So service videos are a prime example. Okay. You're not going to watch a service video unless you have a problem, a problem. that yeah. that yeah. video addresses. Right. So we've got this massive library of videos on our YouTube channel. How do you get customers to find that video when they need it? We're solving that to an extent with our website. We're taking the YouTube videos, putting them on the website. We've got a nice search feature on there, but it's still a problem. We get people that call or write all the time and say, hey, you guys should make a video on X. We've got it. One of the things that I notice, and, and this will be part of the next question that I ask you, but you've gotten outside of the machine itself a little bit, and that seems to be some of your biggest views. So like my company, we sell tooling, and one of your highest watch videos is how to choose a drill. Right. Like the, I should be making that video. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's yeah. one of your videos, and it's one of the biggest watched that's a, that's you know, videos. So, so like what was your thought behind that? We had to because you didn't make the video. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You got me. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, no, it's, that intrigues me. Why did you decide to do how to choose a drill? Because that's what people need to know. When we talk about our I mean, it's successes related, you know? yeah, and yeah. our failures, 
we make videos on everything. So we make videos on showing people how to use their probing system to automate. So it'll automatically adjust your tool offset, keep running, right? That's a good video that everybody should watch that wants to make money with their machine tool. Right. 25,000 views or 50,000 views, whatever. It's got a lot of views, but it's not, it's not breaking any records. We make videos on how to set up a vice, hundreds of thousands of views, right. yeah. because maybe the shop foreman doesn't have time to show their guy. Now the tooling ones are interesting because I think maybe you can't get all the tooling guys in one room and talk about a, a subject comprehensively. You guys are more agnostic. We're more agnostic. Yes. So we did one on taps and then we and it went off. We just shot one last week on tool holders, which is a very difficult topic because there's a dozen manufacturers out there that all have a different slant on the perspective. And, yes. and we just have to get by that and say, look, the customer wants to know this. So some of our most basic videos on those type of subjects are simply what the machinist in front of the machine needs to know. And because that's what they need to know, those become the most popular videos. And we review the comments. I literally come in every day and I look at the comments and we listen to our viewers. Yeah. Hey, do a video on this. That We get a lot of wild ones. So they're giving you insight into what to do next. Definitely. What's the wildest request for a video that you've gotten? I'm afraid to hear. <laughs> no, I mean like, like, I mean like a legit request, I I, you know? I, you know, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but usually what we get is something very specific. And you yeah, know what? It's a, guy, what it's a guy that's having a very specific problem, and they'll say, Mark, can you do a video on, and you know it's what that guy's dealing with right at that moment. Right, 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 right. You guys have series, so you've got the tip of the day, and oh, then you've got gotcha. some other. What are, what are the different series that you have on the Haas channel? Have you added to those series over time? Like, what, what's the strategy behind that? We have. So yeah, we've obviously got tip of the day, which is which is the main series or the or the biggest, the most popular series, I guess. We have a series on service, a series on maintenance. We've got what we call an apps minute. So it's not literally a minute. We try to keep them a minute, but it's a short applications related topic. Maybe about something you didn't know in the control. Hey, did you know the Haas control can do this? And if you go to this menu, you can do this. Short series like that. We've got a coolant series. We've got a probing series. We've got a, what we call don't fear five axis series. Mm, that's good. Yep. I love it. We have so many topics. We could make five videos a day if we had the the manpower to do it. You know what you don't have? What's that? And maybe you could collaborate with Jim and I in this, is you don't have a series directed to the CEO on no. the stuff outside of the shop, you know? So there's an idea for you. Think about that one. Maybe bring it back to your team, and Jim and I would be happy to. <laughs> Appreciate <laughs> so. it. Obviously, you guys have made thousands of videos and getting a lot of response. What would you say has been your most successful video? By the way, I, I really like what I'm hearing. I think it's really impactful what you're doing because I know the millennials nowadays, that's how they search for things. They have a problem. They're running a Haas. They know the brand extremely well. They trust you, which that's the huge thing is in trust. But which of the videos have been the most successful? There was a cool series videos that Andrew Harnett and Frank Zaragoza made years ago. And it was just fantastic showing people how to to watch their coolant. And that seems like a small thing, but so I'm an applications engineer. So for years I'd answer the phone. And I, I've been put on the plane to go talk to people about their taps breaking on this stainless on their SD20 lathe. And then I leave them with my refractometer because I show up and they're running 3% coolant concentration right. and they don't know that's why they're breaking their tools. So 
using the coolant properly is just a huge part of you, you know, running the machine. Some older video that we had, the, the lathe soft jaw cutting video, because that's a confusing that's thing huge. for a new machinist. Lots of views, and that crosses all platforms, no matter what machine you're running. More recently, a few months ago, we posted a video on taps. Just a tap. What's the difference but between like the taps? Spiral point, spiral yeah. flute. It's got yeah. 850,000 views in a few months and nearly 1,000 comments. And the comments are revealing, I think, kind of help us choose directions where to go next. And that one of my favorite comments was, hey, I've been doing this for years and years, and, and you taught me more in these few minutes about taps than any foreman that I have ever worked for. And that, that one comment, yeah, I just that's love amazing. it because- That makes you feel good that you're like doing yes, something that's contributing. But it you know? also kind of shows what's going on with the industry yeah. and, and where this big vacuum yes. is with training and yeah. how we're not kind of, we lost a generation, right, during the right. late 90s where we made this jump to CNC's. Nobody, the guys weren't trained the next generation. We were, we just wanted you to stand in front of the machine and push the button. And then when we wanted to grow, we couldn't use you to, to set up or program the machine because all you knew how to do was push the button. Things have really changed in the last few years where, where the apprenticeship type attitude has really come back into the industry. And we're just lucky to be a part of that where we might not be your foreman, but we have so much experience here with our own machine shop that we can pull from that we're trying to, to drip feed all this information to machinists everywhere to help speed up that learning curve for them, make their lives easier. So th that actually takes me to the next question. You mentioned that the comments give you ideas for new episodes. Where else do you get ideas from? How do you organize that? Do you guys have just a list of a thousand topics that you're constantly <laughs> like refining and yeah. prioritizing and stuff like that? How does that, how does that work? Do you sell spreadsheet where they're always moving around and any number of things can bring bring a subject to the top. Yeah, um, It could be an experience that we've had with a customer. It could be a YouTube comment. It could be something we talked to a customer about at a trade show. Or maybe, you know, throughout, like, say, IMTS, for example, over the course of a few days, I keep hearing the same thing or Mark keeps hearing the same thing. Yeah, we don't, we don't make just the big videos. In other words, we make a lot of the little videos on silly topics that might seem silly. And they might, they might only get 10,000 views. But some of those topics end up on the list because we're speaking directly to a concern that we've we've gotten through phone calls or emails. We might answer the phone in the applications department or our applications engineers that we have all over the world at these HFOs, these Haas factory outlets. These guys get these questions all the time. So we might make a video that just addresses them and that particular issue directly. And we know it's not gonna it's not gonna make us a million bucks, right? It's not even good advertising necessarily, but it's it's answering a real question for the customer. We had a couple of service managers from our HFOs called me, emailed me, said, hey, we really, we have a ton of customers that don't understand how much air they need to run their machines. Hmm. They'll buy a little compressor, they'll get their first machine, everything's fine, then they'll get their second machine, maybe the third machine, they're oh, still and, running and, that. And the air compressor doesn't keep up with the demand. Well, so they'll tell them, hey, you don't have enough volume. And the customer's like, what do you mean? I got 100 PSI. <laughs> so they didn't understand the difference between oh, volume and CFM. pressure. Mm. So, we made a video that explained that entire thing. Is it? Yeah. Do Do you think that that tells you something about your listeners, or is there another way that you or your your audience, or is there another way that you've gotten to know in mass who your audience is? Is Is it somebody that's like more of a entrepreneur starting up their shop, somebody kind of like a newbie in the industry, as opposed to like a foreman that might not make that same mistake? Scott knows this, and you've you've mentioned it as well. I, I'm going to mess up the numbers, so don't yeah. quote me. But like half of the Haas shops out there might have three machines or less, right? And then we got other shops that have, you know, 150 machines. So when you're talking about the C-suite, right, the CFO, the CEO type guys, 
In a lot of our Ha shops, those are the same guys that are programming the, machines. the machines. We have the same audience. And so we're getting this feedback from kind of all directions on which way to go. Yeah. Like this word may not have popped into your head or into your marketing people's head, but like there's a term for what you're doing. So it's called content marketing. So you're, I was just you're, gonna, you're, you're, oh no, for that's sure. Okay. That's, we've, it, we've, it's content. We the, yeah. 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 So, so you're creating content which people are searching for, and then it's pulling them into your brand, and they're saying, wow, those guys at Haas are smart. I really <laughs> want to be partnered up with Mark and Brian, and then they try to, they find out more about you, and it's like, you know, marketing that pulls people in as opposed to pushing advertising on them. Is that the modern way to do marketing? Is that the most effective way to, to really build an audience and get your brand out there? I mean, yeah, we're, we're giving free, good information that people can use. We don't, we don't think of it as marketing. We, it, it is. Right. But, it is. Yeah. But that's not You're the building an audience. Yeah. You're building an audience with You're providing value. Free content. You know? yeah. and the, the biggest thing, and, and why somebody like Mark, being on camera, or Andrew Harnett, who does a lot of our technical videos, yeah. is now the audience trusts this. They trust Mark. Boom. They there you go. They know what yep. the information he's giving is good. If Andrew's doing a video on how to fix something on your machine, they're like, I know Andrew's given me And good we're separate. We have a marketing department because they know how to run the cameras and they know how to run Photoshop and Adobe Premiere. But a lot of our backgrounds, your engineer, Andrew, manufacturing engineer, you know, me, I've ran machine shops and did engine blocks and whatever, that kind of stuff. So we're real machinists who have a real empathy for the customer. And you're the same thing. I was blown away by Scott Gassage, our manager here. We should bring him in, actually. Yeah, he, he's run machine shops before. And when I sat down with, with Bob Murray and they talked about this concept for the Tip of the Day videos and others, I was a little naive. I didn't know that he's a machinist. He's run machines before. These guys, they know exactly the pain it is for a machinist on a Saturday night to curse at their machines saying, why don't you do what I want you to do? And so there's this deep empathy all the way through the food chain here at Haas. So when we're creating the, the information, yes, we're hoping for a back end for some marketing bumps. But at least when it started, I'm like, do I have to put a um, product placement in my videos? And they're like, no, 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 this is not what this Please video don't. is. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said trust. I mean, that is just huge nowadays, is like you have to establish that trust. And yeah. people want to deal with people that they trust. I mean, it's in every relationship that you have, from your marriage to who you buy your machine tool from, you know? So Brian, thanks for coming. And I know you're, you have a meeting that you have to go to right away. We, you had a hard stop at this time, but we appreciate the insight. Keep giving us that solid, good resource that we can use in my shop every day. I know that the millennials in my shop use it as a great resource. So thank you for being with us and thank you for being on Making Chips. Jim, how's your quoting going? I'm seeing some more gray hairs over there. It's funny because John has been doing a really good job about bringing in new clients. But you know what's great? Sometimes when I get stuck on quoting a job and I think, man, is that part really the right price for what I'm going to send to it? Or you go, just want to validate yourself? I go to Zometry.com and I have them quote the job through their online portal real quick, 24 hours a day. They can give me a good insight as to see if I'm close with my pricing. So Metalworking Nation, why don't you try it at Zometry.com, X-O-M-E-T-R-Y.com. So I'd like to introduce Scott Gassage. And Jason was correct. Scott is no stranger to making chips. We first met Scott back in... 
2016, in September 2016, McCormick Place, Chicago. Yeah, that was when they had us in the basement of IMT. They were. We graduated. (laughs) And then we graduated to the main stage. Yes. Which is awesome. But if you want to hear Scott's interview back from IMTS 2016, you can go to makingchips.com forward slash 89. Yeah, it's called The Culture of How To. It is. Scott, welcome to Making Chips once again. And it's good to see you here today. And thank you for having us uh, in the showroom. So we were just talking to these two video entrepreneurs who just really kind of Celebrities. These video yeah, celebrities. these video celebrities of, of Haas Automation who really, what I'm seeing is they, they took a chance. They had an idea, they took a chance, and it just it, it blossomed into to what it is today. So once we've decided and we've determined how successful this was, you're the director of sales and marketing. So how has the shift from traditional marketing shifted into this new video content marketing. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, because I mean, Gene Haas is no stranger to traditional like push advertising with the race cars having Haas on them and stuff like that. I mean, that's people like make fun of like race car advertising. Like, you know, he's like a NASCAR. It's like a a term. So you guys understand that and you have the content marketing going on. First to put it in context is what's the industry we're in? And industry in is machine tools. And it's still, man, guys walking around as catalog jockeys showing up with paper things that they want to talk oh, about and let me show you the, the machine and or we'll go see a guy and it's just it's it's old school and it's always been that way and it, it really still is. is outside of what we do we're a group that's hard to change it's true but as consumers of what we are besides consuming machine tools like you guys do you consume media you consume food you consume cars and all these other things and the way that you go and and research all of those things is different than how you do machine tools you're going to Amazon, you're going to reviews, you're going to YouTube. You know, Brian's story about Bob looking for the jack in his car. That's how everybody looks for things. My mom is looking on things for on YouTube of how Good do I mom. do this? Oh, she, oh God. I, quick tangent, because I'm full of them. Get her set up with her Roku TV, and she saw, oh, I have YouTube on there? Yeah. Go see her the next day. She's like, God, I was up for eight hours watching barrel <laughs> racing videos on YouTube. Everybody falls into that rule because it's self-service, because you can take care of your needs. You don't have to wait for what's being brought to you. And we've always been, well, why don't we sell and market machines like we would want to be sold and marketed to or how we'd like to consume it? So that's why we're very much focused on provide everybody everything they need from the price, which we've been doing for almost 30 years now, to all of the layout drawings, the technical drawings, the how-to guides, the, the solid models. I mean, all of that is available on our website. And that's what we spend a lot of time about is making that content that you know people would want. Have um, you have you seen like a shift in resources and where you're spending it, your money? Like, are are you pushing more of the resources towards video and then taking it away from say print advertising? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Totally, okay. absolutely. Uh, we still do print, but now when we do print, it's always okay. But this is good. Like we just finished. I just got a stack of four page brochures for all of our product because while we do talk about one into tradition, the the new way everybody goes, we'll get with the Amazon model, the research. You still like having something right. kind of uh, in you, your you hand. You have to put something in their hand. They, people want to touch it. So we it, do right. that printed material, but then it's all online as well. So you can download the PDF. Right. It's not behind any type of registration wall or anything like that. You don't have to give your email address. No, not okay, at all. Right. But to your question, are we moving resources around? 100%. Three years ago, the video department was one dude, Frank, who's off camera there, and basically kind of a haphazard, hey, let's go make a video. Let's go try something different. And 
Now we've got five full-time video editors. We've got a full-time script supervisor. Right. We're always pulling in engineers around here to help out. Our service department makes some of their own videos. We've got how many guys out in the shop floor making videos now? Probably close to 10. Wow. Just for our own internal use. No kidding. Right. Like when it's, hey, how do you put together linear guides and ball screws? <laughs> oh, you use it here. as an internal resource. Oh, absolutely. On, on, on training. training. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. we help those guys right. with, they, they get the hand-me-downs of cameras, but they also get all the support on, hey, here's how you should shoot this video. Nice. Here's how you can streamline your process. And we've got videos. The, the joke around here now is if there's something that goes wrong, well, what's the video we're going to make to solve it? Awesome. You know, to, to, to future-proof it. And that's the right way to go because that's how people like to consume. And you can just tell such a better story. So we've had a very, very large shift into what we do. We've, we've spent huge amounts of dollars on our website platform, on our business system integration here. That is a huge piece of what we do. So I'd say it's absolutely flipped the script on what we used to do in print and even trade show budgets. So years ago, how soon has that shift changed? Has it gone from like zero to 100 miles an hour in one year, two year, three year? When, when did you see the fastest shift from print to digital? Oh, it was... It was call like, it was it last year? Or? No, call it 100 to zero four years ago. Okay. When we basically said no more print. Okay. I mean, we literally canceled every... We didn't renew any of the magazine advertising contracts That's that we had. That's what I to hear. We, we literally just cold turkey. And that was because it's, it's, as with anything, when you need to make a seismic shift, you got to have a full measure, no half measures. Right. And so we just stopped it all the way. And that was the only way to get us to now, how do we think differently? How do we do it differently? Well, so our own Making Chips Marketing Agency, we're that same way. We're just digital. So we're not, we don't do any kind of print, print advertising or anything like that. Cause it's, you gotta, you gotta be committed. It's, it, it's insane. For the $3,000 we could spend to run an ad in a trade publication. One time, limited, narrow scope. I'm now fighting with all the other 80 advertisers in there. Or with $3,000 on just Facebook advertising and promoting some of our videos, we can reach a million people. And you don't know whether that magazine is actually being read, A, and you don't know whether anybody's looking at your advertisement within that magazine. Absolutely. I mean, yes, it's going out to thousands of subscribers. Where's it going? You know? And it's only thousands. I mean, we have. Yeah, you know exactly how many people oh, are commenting and, and watching and, and everything like that. And one thing I'm proud of that we do is that we do pay attention to how videos are performing, the different types of ads that we run digitally, the different assets that we create and put on the website so that we find out what works better in specific markets. We meet every quarter, we go over that and, you know, do more of what works well. What doesn't work well, try to make it better or just scrap it. So guys, the, the mission for Making Chips is to equip and inspire manufacturing leaders across the country. So obviously you've been hugely successful in branding yourself as a video company for resources. What kind of tips can you give a manufacturing leader out there, you know, that small shop in the middle of Oklahoma? How can they start using video in their own shops? to make an impact in their sales and marketing of their own companies. Follow your gut. Follow your you, gut. You know take your product. Chance. Yeah, but it's take a chance relative to what's been done traditionally. But when you kind of look back on it, you go, well, that's just kind of obvious because that's how I would have wanted to consume that information. That's how I would have wanted to have it presented to me. And that's the deal. It's, that's the great empowerment of the internet. seems obvious now yeah, when you it say does. it like that. I mean, it really does. But that's, that's what I would tell. Bet on yourself. You know your product. If you're trying to promote either your services or your product, speak to that. And I think also having, don't try to have a shtick. Don't try to make something you're not. Just 
go with who you are, be colloquial about it. And when you speak with passion and truth, it comes across so much better. As, as Brian agree. alluded to, we've tried a number of different people online. I mean, Mark, what he is on camera is what he is off camera, so it's genuine, it's easy to talk to. We get some people, you put them up there, and oh my God, you, you could watch them reading the teleprompter, and you could tell that it's, it's not, not easy. It, no, it's not. I will say another thing is do invest in production value, invest in good oh. equipment. When we first started doing these, one of the first. So you're saying for those that guy to go out and spend ten grand on a, a video camera or no, what? No, no. He can use his iPhone at the beginning. I would use your iPhone, but invest in some decent lighting. Some of our first videos were you could not hear them; they were just awful. And and we made those changes quickly, and, yeah. and it's it's helped because it was actually impeding the message. Right? You couldn't right. say what you wanted to say because it wasn't coming across. You gotcha. literally could not hear. Yeah. Definitely have an idea of what you're going to say. Have a script. There's very few people that can actually wing it, and it comes across. Well Jason thinks he can. Hours editing. Well, I used to be that guy, and I thought, ah, we could just wing it. And we did a couple of them that way. But as you try to get better and better at it, and frankly, to speed up the production process for the editing guys, yeah, having a script that they can refer back to, right. where you, as the on-screen talent, have to sit next to them and say, no, no, I meant to say this, but I should have said that. Can you, can you put the just have a script that they can work from. We had that you conversation storyboarded. two years ago, a year ago. We were like, Mark, you got to have a script. A lot of the first ones that we had were, were five bullet points on a sheet of paper, and we yeah. started talking. And it was wonderful, and I had a great time. And, the and you editor, could convey the and, message. And I was, the message was there, and the editor spent three weeks. Yeah, let's, hey, Frank, how was that editing some of those first ones? It was yeah. a little bit rocky. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't say anything, because this last one's pretty rocky, too. But we've got to have the script. We only have a limited amount of resources, right? And so if I can have a, if, if, if I'm told to write a script, we write the script, we shoot it, we're done. And because the script is written, now you can get out three videos instead of one. Yeah. So it's just an opportunity cost. So I wanna, I wanna rehash the conversation that we had about dumb stuff off camera. Um, because I think, <laughs> I think the metalworking nation, you know, especially for those people that have seen you, I want them to get like kind of a taste of some of the stuff that happens behind the scenes that they probably have no clue about. So, First of all, let's talk about the comments. You guys do filter your com you read your comments all the time. Have okay. To. We talked about that. And you do have to delete some comments every once in a while. So you guys you guys do allow negative comments on your videos. So you're not out there like trying to purge the the brand and saying we can only talk positively about us. No, Those because we're fun. the we're the first ones to admit when we screw up. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that, that really speaks to the hallmark of who we are. Hard you know, to be humble. It is, and this is a hard business, man. Manufacturing is tough. You got competition everywhere, and we feel that the more honest you are and just stand up with, up, oh, screwed that up, that was wrong. Just have people understand that making a better product is cyclical in nature. Nobody gets it right the first time. So what what are the comments that you do have to delete? Well, I can't put them on here. <laughs> you, <laughs> can't you, can't, yeah. uh, you know, you get, you get some guys that are just knuckleheads. You'll get the Haas haters. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. You can just tell there's people Oh, I just don't like Haas or everything yeah. they do. I'm going to crap we, on But we leave a lot of those up for, because, because it's like, that's part of the You can't like everybody, right? Yeah. Well, and, and quite frankly, the Haas army comes to our defense. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the Haas right? nation. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, there's people that, are, that recognize us for what we are. We are a high performance, high value machine tool guys. We're also guys that want to help you be better at what you do. And that's legitimate. That's not a, a means to an end. It's simply, we like manufacturing. We like making stuff. We want to yeah. help people make stuff better. And that's, Mark's got that passion. You referenced a lot of the school stuff that you do, you know, that giving it back, the training the next generation. Have you guys talked about the operator certification? No, got to. In fact, this would be kind of a debut for this. This is a big deal. What is it? Uh, so when we started the videos, right, we're trying to help the Haas customers. And you've said it a million times. I've heard it said that if we could sell a, an operator 
we all know about the skills gap. We know about operator shortages, and it's been it's just gotten gone from bad to worse. If we could sell an operator with every machine, we'd double our sales. That's the same across the board in manufacturing. So we've done tips of the day type stuff for training, and there's a segment for that. But there's also other opportunities out there for maybe a more focused certification, not necessarily a community college or a trade school. Something different, something that you can do in your spare time, and that's what that's, that's what this Scott's operator certification about. is. So we have 18 videos that we've put together. Some of them are, we used, I think we used one of your old tip of the days. Yeah. I think you made a new one. A lot more custom. We used a video from, I forget, some other industry. But it's it's basically, this is the training series that you would give somebody. In fact, we're giving it here at our factory for a basic mill operator. Somebody who is completely green, who has no... Yeah, completely yes. green. You got to know righty, tighty, lefty, loosey. You still got to have a head on your shoulders. We're not worried about life skills, but we see a couple avenues. There's definitely the hey, I want to get into manufacturing. Maybe I work, maybe at your guys' business, maybe the guy who's driving the delivery truck's like, man, I want, to, I want to run the machine. Put him in front of this video series. There's testing after every chapter. And then when you're done with the online testing, you make arrangements with the local Haas factory outlet and do an in-person practical test. Now, it's as a machine operator, you're not changing work offsets, you're not changing tool offsets, but you're loading and unloading parts. You're looking for sounds that are funny you're looking for basic machine maintenance. Do I have enough coolant? Is the air turned on? All these things that you need to get to somebody so they can at least push your buttons, load and unload parts, and be safe. And that's the first of what we, we see this probably is going to end up being, I don't know, six, seven, eight different certifications from basic mill operator, basic lathe operator, advanced operator mill, advanced operator lathe to setup, and maybe even some programming. But that was the gap that we noticed is you can go to some of these great two-year programs or even one year, but that's one year. I mean, that's a lot of time that you're committing. And there isn't this basics of somebody that wants to get into the industry or a student that wants to just learn how to basically operate the machine. This will cover that. So somebody, they have to have a machine in front of them. How long will it take for them to go from this training period to actually being able to get a job in the manufacturing industry? Well, that see that that one big variable there is the person. So let's assume. So let's assume, got, yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody's got a head on their shoulders. We had somebody complete all the training in eight hours and went and took the test and passed it. Okay. So a lot of it depends on your aptitude and if you've got uh, if you've seen the machines before. But what we really tried to focus on is what's the stuff you need to know. Basics of measuring tools, blueprint reading. One of the things that I know I was adamant about in the video series is have a little part, a section when there's an issue that it's hey raise your hand for your supervisor teaching them when to raise their hand. Because I think that is, you know, having run our machine shop, that's part of the biggest problem is making sure people know when to ask a question. No, no, don't, don't make a decision to, to adjust that offset. That's not what I want you doing, but when do they come to those positions when those decisions need to be made? And that's what we tried to pass along is this very practical, this is how I would train somebody for our shop. And Mark had input, our machine shop management, a couple other people, so it was very practical of, what's the stuff you want to teach somebody to go onto your shop floor and know that you could at least walk away and they're not going to hurt themselves, they're not going to damage the machine, they're going to be productive. And or, the, and or the parts, damage the parts. Yeah. Like when to know, you know, if you see aluminum galling up on the tap, mm -hmm. when to hit the pause button and raise your hand to yep. your supervisor and say, hey, I, think we I got a problem because that tap's going to go to that next hole and it's got aluminum just galled up in the flutes and it's going to ruin the next mm -hmm. 20 different holes it's going to try and tap. What do you see in the next one to three years with this content video marketing? We know where you've came from, we know where we're at today, but what does is, what is the next one to three years look like? Are you gonna be investing more in it or is there another platform that is kind of lucrative that you're kind of 
hedging on or, or what? Definitely more videos. When you ask Brian the question, what's one of our biggest challenges? We can't make videos fast enough. I mean, that's, that's a big problem. When you speak platform, I think there's something for AR, for augmented reality, particularly mm, on the service side. Interesting. I think that's a big one. We've played around with a couple of things, but it will never be what, how AR is pitched of this completely virtual world where you can work inside because that's, there's too much effort and not enough return. But I think there's some, our version of that, which is simple to the point, takes care of 80% of the problems where if you can at least walk somebody through, particularly service guys, of machine realignment. And with augmented reality, where if you're talking to teach somebody how to realign a lathe, with augmented reality, you could overlay it on top of the lathe and be able to exaggerate for effect. This spindle is pointing up. You need to correct that by working here and here. And that's where I think augmented reality would have a, a, a huge impact. Well, you, you mentioned that before, Mark, when we were talking, is that you've flown out somewhere where somebody said, I've got a problem with my machine. Oh, it happens and, all the time. And, and you literally fix it in like 10 minutes. I mean, maybe, you know, 10 years, you ship every Haas machine with like a pair of augmented reality glasses, goggles, and it just, that's just part well, of the routine. Here's, you know? I think it's how we're doing that right now. Coming. Oh, it's what because we're doing Because as, as the gap, in, in, in the skills, right, you know, right. We, we need to we need to do that more often. Uh, agreed. Yeah, we're doing some of that today. Right now, all the machines we ship out here ship out with about eighty alarm videos in them. Yeah, you have an alarm on, on your machine. A, a video pops up and says, "Right here on the control." Yeah, yeah, really. This is what caused your alarm. This is how you clear your alarm. Here's how you prevent your alarm. And that's just the step. In fact, we've had to duke it out with our software guys to make sure we've got enough space in there right. for the gigabytes of videos we need because that's reality of what you need. Yeah, more, you really don't want the employee to be on his phone during the day to search for No, those. as an employer, you definitely don't. No, having it here is, is a much better option because he's going to be distracted if he's on his phone looking for a resource to answer his problem. So so that's what we've started investing in just in the control. All our controls come with, nah, it's going to sound like a sales pitch, but they all come with Wi-Fi, Ethernet connections are standard. The ability to play video, to play or to display images and PDFs in the control in the CNC program. Yeah our Haas Connect application where you can get remote notifications, but it's all built into the machine. We're not trying to make it another revenue stream on having connectivity with the machine. We'll make the revenue sell on the machine. And the way we get people to buy the machines is have a good quality machine tool that performs really, really well and is easy to live with every day. Sounds like an easy, easy business button. model, right? It is. Yeah. I mean, it's, hey, the, the you know, there's Industry 4.0. Yeah. Everybody loves to talk about Industry 4.0. What is it? You know what it is? Make my life easier. That's really in the essence really, of what it is. It's so, the filtered version of it. But it's the practical version. Yes. How to use technology to make my, my life easier. Exactly. Yeah. And easier means just like your guys' slogan. If you're not making chips, you're not making money. It's 100% yeah. true. Yeah. You got to keep that thing moving. Yes. And it's there aren't any home runs left. Like a, a CNC was a huge shift from manual machines. Now it's all small little things. And for us, it's how do you incorporate all these digital tools on the shop floor from a practical standpoint. So we had an interview yesterday with Steve Pixley, the CEO of Autocrib, and Jim asked that same question to him. And for him, it was that convergence of all of these different technologies in a very customized format that works for that particular manufacturing company. So I think you're, you're saying that same similar thing for the machine tool industry Absolutely. as well. Yeah, and, and a lot of this is just, for me, being in this building is more of the same. I, I've never worked at a place so open and just honest in this same way, in that when I'm making a video, I'll say something, I'm like, well, should I say this? And like, just say whatever you think needs to be said, which is really unusual. So for the customers out there, they can just get all the information they need 
right online or whether it's the, the training courses or through the videos that we're doing. I'm just saying that what is the future going to bring? If you can't get the information from your foreman, from the school you went to or whatever, you're going to find it. It's going to be online. And right. so the company as a whole made a decision like, okay, do we not show people this service procedure? And that was changed years ago where, where from the top down they said, dump it, show everything. There are no firewalls. We are not hiding anything. Give all that information in every possible way you can go. DIY. DIY. Because let's face it, machine tools, I don't care who you are, whatever competitor, we all have the same problem. All our machines are run by humans. Humans crash the machines. They don't take care of them. There's problems that you know, happen on the machines and to not provide an avenue by which customers can go fix it themselves, solve little problems, understand the magnitude of a problem, to us, that's a disservice to the customer. Yeah. So that's part of the transparency. I've given away thousands of business cards in the last few years, and I almost say the exact same thing with every with every handshake. I say, here's my card, and I said, send me an email or send it to TOD at HaasCNC.com. And if there's something about the machine that you just hate, you can't stand it, shoot us an email, we'll look at it, maybe there's something we can change with the software, or maybe there's a reason it must be that way for some technical reason. Otherwise, if it's that, if it has to be that way, we'll make a video on it. We'll show you how. Either we're going to change the machine or we're going to show you how. And it's just that simple. We just keep pushing forward. If you don't like what we're doing, just wait a year. We'll be doing something different. <laughs> we're always evolving. There you go. Well, guys, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Yeah. The Metalworking Nation is definitely going to get a better taste of what happens behind the scenes with, with Mark. And I'm sure a lot of people out there watch your video. So this will be interesting for them to hear from you in a different format. So thank you. Absolutely. So, Thanks yeah. for having us. Thanks, yeah. for Thanks for having us. Yeah. So, Jim, did you learn something? I did. Are you going to start doing videos? You told me one time that you were going to start doing well, some videos and it never happened. As a small business owner, I'm wearing a lot of hats yep. and business has been really robust in yeah. the last 18 months. So we just haven't had a time. So it's on hold right now. But between making chips and car machine and tool, there's not much little. So there's nothing left of you? There's not much left of me, no. <laughs> So I hear, I'm doing the I best hear, I can do. I, I hear your pain. Believe yeah. me. Yeah. So no, I, I did learn a lot today. I learned that I learned about making a commitment to something, and keep refining that commitment. So based on what Mark told us, as they started out was something that they didn't know, just much like us. We, making chips was just a hobby. We're recording in the furnace. It was just an idea. Yeah. industrial. Yeah. And it got some fire underneath it. It took off. And here we are today. Now we got a team of 10 people. I know. And, and here are, here they are. And they're people, they're, their community is feeding them with new ideas to how to make their videos better. And I think it's all really, really good. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, if you're not making chips, you're not making money. Bam. Thanks for listening to the Making Chips podcast. Jim and Jason knew that the metalworking nation, the community of world-class makers, needed to commit to a new way of leading to stay ahead of the competition. So, Making Chips was created to fill that void, to give you advice from other manufacturing leaders who can push you to take action. Your manufacturing challenges have a solution. And many of them are at makingchips.com.